We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Um, good. Well, it's great to, great to see you all. And um, yeah, good to, good to be together, isn't it? Good to, good to worship, good to hang out. And yeah, do if you're still waiting for one of these to arrive to you in your seat, um, keep your hand up. If you'd like a Bible as well, um, then we would love to give you a free Bible. Um, we've got them as well. So again, just keep your hand up and one will arrive to you. Um, John's, John's coming around with them. Uh, these are great. So I, I do exactly what Phil said, is make my notes in them. Uh, and uh, it may, I'm hoping that by the end of this series, so by Easter 2020, which is when we'll finish the series, um, I'll have a book, a whole book full of notes on Mark's gospel. And my prayer is that you do too. So that if you ever, yeah, worry or get, no, you're going through it, or maybe you're teaching on it or whatever, then you can also um, got some good notes on it. So um, can I just say a few welcomes as well? Welcome. If you're a student or a 20, maybe you've just arrived. I know I've met a few people here from Surrey or from GSA. You're really welcome. It's really great to have you with us. And uh, it might just be that you're, you're not a student, but you're here for the first time, and uh, then you're really welcome. It might be you're here for the hundredth time, and you're also equally welcome. It's great to just hang out, isn't it, and, and be together. And so we're going to be in Mark. Ironically, um, and we're going to be in chapter three, so you can start to turn to, turn to that. If you've got one of these, it's on page twenty-two. The page numbers are in the top left-hand corner. In fact, we're we're going to be on page twenty-four because we're going to start from verse seven of Mark chapter three, and I'll read the whole thing, and then we're going to go through it slowly, basically. So let's let's do that. The words will also appear on the screen. And the guys at the back are going to click for me, I understand. But just in case they don't, I'll click as well. Here we go. So, Jesus withdrew. This is verse 7, chapter 3. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep um, the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. Uh, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus, he entered a house, and, he get, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, and they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law um, came 
down from Jerusalem, and they said, He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him, and he began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they uh, were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside, and they sent someone to call him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Hey, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him, and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. There we go. That's the passage. So we're working through the Gospel of Mark, and so far we've seen that it's really fast-paced. It's written by this guy called John Mark, and this is often known as Peter's Gospel because he is kind of writing down the words of Peter um, that he would have preached and he would have taught about to the, the, those in Rome who wanted a written account of all that Peter had taught and preached. And so this kind of, this gospel is like very much like an eyewitness gospel. It's lots of kind of details. It's, it's very fast paced. It's, it's a bit like Peter himself, you know, just like straight to the point and, and he's, he's kind of going through it at quite a pace. And this morning I've called the title of my talk, Called to Follow Jesus. And as we go through that, we're going to see how we are called to follow Jesus and the, I guess the impact that we can see through that. In, by following Jesus, we, we've seen in here that people might oppose you. Uh, his family thought he was mad. The uh, religious elite called the Pharisees thought that he was evil. The demons, as it happened, knew that he was the son of God. Our crowds in this moment are following him and gathering around him, but later on they cry out, crucify him, crucify him. There's all sorts of different types of challenges that we might face when we follow Jesus, but um, there is some great news, and the first thing I want to go through is just how amazing it is, and that's what the first few verses, we're going to kind of go through all the verses. I'm not, there's not going to really be a, much of a PowerPoint, so it's good to have your, your Bible open, and we're just going to go through it. Um, we'll do it in three chunks and so here's the first bit the first part is that Jesus is just incredible right we know that many of us know that he's just outstanding he's just amazing and in verse 7 that first verse that we read we find out actually that Jesus is greater than than even the Pharisees the, many of the religious elite of the day, they needed the temple, they needed the synagogue, they needed um, to make sure that they had all their systems and things in place to draw people. In fact, later on in Matthew's Gospel, we find out that they would work really, really hard just to get one disciple. And yet here, Jesus, he withdraws, he goes away from the Pharisee support, from the 
temple, from the synagogue, from all those kind of things. He goes to Galilee, and, uh, which is like a big lake, but they call it a sea because it's quite a small place and it seems vast. And he basically sets up preaching shop, tent on the beach, and starts preaching, hey, the crowds come to him. Jesus is greater than the Pharisees. He withdraws, and yet crowds follow. They want to hear him. They want to get, encounter him. They want to get close to him and near him. And it's, it's just amazing. In verse 8, we see that Jesus is greater than the king. King uh, Herod um, was the king, and um, Herod the Great, he was the king, he was ruler, and then he had a son, also called Herod, or Herod Antipas, who is uh, a tetrarch, so he, what that means is that he didn't become ruler over the whole area, the whole place, that Herod the Great would have been ruler, he only became ruler over a quarter, which is what tetrarch means, it means like a quarter ruler, and so having Herod, this, this tetrarch, be a ruler over the quarter of the place, um, he, his everything kind of diminished for him. And yet here in these verses, it says, verse 8, when they all heard, when they all heard Jesus gathering together, people came to him, and it starts listing all these different places, Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Idumea, regions across Jordan and Tyre and Sidon, and it's listing all the places around the whole of the country. Whereas Herod, Antipas, only could rule a quarter. Jesus, hey, he had crowds coming from everywhere. All three other quarters, they came gathering to him. And uh, he, he was just, uh, yeah, obviously a phenomenal, phenomenal preacher. Jesus tells us, yeah, that people, oh, the Mark tells us that, and Peter tells us that people drew to him from all over the area. In verse 9, we find out that Jesus is greater than a prophet. Earlier on, in the beginning of Mark, we found out that John the Baptist was gathering people um, to uh, the Jordan River and he was preaching and he had disciples and crowds did come but he never had to get into a boat because it was so packed in along the beach that he had to get in a boat to stand away and here we find out that actually because the crowd was so vast so big he got a small boat in fact later on we find out that he uses this boat regularly it's like he you know, I think it probably was Peter's boat and he has Peter's boat on standby so that whenever the people, crowds come together he can get out on the water I also read that um, if you stand on the water the and you you preach the water acts a bit like like glass in the sense that the sound waves like bounce off of the water and so actually lots of people can hear you so it's actually a good or oratory technique to stand on water and preach because the masses can hear you obviously we have these so you can hear so he's greater than any prophet we in uh, verse 10 it says that he healed many so that even people with diseases were, were pushing forward just to try to touch him and back in in Daniel we we hear about this is going to be son of man who's going to come who's going to heal many Jesus is this son of man. He's this one that's been prophesied about, foretold about. And throughout Mark's gospel, he, he's continually, you know, looking back when Phil was preaching last week, he was referring back to um, Jeremiah. And you can see how just the, the, the subtly, as Peter's preaching, he just is pulling out bits from the Old Testament and showing us that Jesus is the one who fulfills the law, who is the greatest prophet. He is the high priest. He is the, the one who doesn't have to make sacrifices day after day, but once and for all can make sacrifices for our sins so that we can be forgiven and come to know him. Jesus is the son of man, but not only that, he is the son of God. Verse 11, whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him. And what do they cry out? 
You are the son of God. They know. Sometimes we don't always know. The disciples didn't always know. The crowds didn't always know. But the enemy knew. The, the impure spirits knew. And in all across, we find him, Jesus. They, they, he drives them out. They, they cower at him. They bow to him. They have no power or authority. In fact, Jesus is the highest authority, the highest power. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And all they can do is submit to his authority. The Roman emperors, they would have had the title Divi Filius, which means son of God. But here we find out that actually Jesus is the true son of God. Even the demons obey him. All the crowds come to him from all the all quarters of the kingdom. He is amazing and no one can compare to his power and authority and dominion. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. And he is the one that we're called to follow. That's why I've called to talk. Hey, called to follow. We're called to follow Jesus. This is King Jesus, ruler of the world, the one that's seated above everything, has authority over all things. He is the one that we're called to follow. And but the good thing is, is that he, he also calls. He doesn't, he, yeah, he calls. He, he comes and he came to this earth, didn't he? He came to, from heaven to earth to make himself known, to make God known. And just as uh, throughout the Old Testament, God met with people on mountainsides, here, we're going into the second part now, Jesus went up a mountainside. And on that mountainside, he calls to, the, to him those he wanted. It says that he appointed 12, that they might be with him and that, they might, and that he might send them out to preach and also to drive out demons to do his, his work. Jesus, Jesus has an amazing mission right from the very start of this book, right from the beginning. In fact, the, the whole uh, a whole series is called The Good News About Jesus. He is on a mission to come and bring the good news of his gospel to this world. And, and he is amazing, but incredibly, he chooses to call people like you and me to be caught up on this mission. And in the very first week, we, we looked at how the first thing that Christians were called were kind of followers and fishermen. And that Jesus, as he first started to call people to him, he says, hey, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And we talked about how that was the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment being love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and spirit and love your neighbours as yourself. And also the great commandment to go into all the world to, uh, tell, you know, to make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Son, uh, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And th- this... This kind of uh, following and fishing theme is coming straight through again in this verse. Verse 14, he appointed 12 that he, they might be with him. They might know him, love him. It's the great commandment that they would learn from him, obey him, follow him, trust him. And to also that they would go out, they would fish. He would send them out to preach the good news of the gospel, to be his hands and feet in the, in the nation, to pray for, to see people heal, to, in here, so it's authority to drive out demons. There is, you, you could say, this is challenging, because you could say that to be a Christian is not just to follow Jesus, it's to follow and to fish. 
You could take that a step further. You could say that if you are a Christian who is not actively engaged in sharing the good news of Jesus with others, then you've missed something. Because throughout the whole of this gospel, that's what we see. It's always this and that. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Here, be with me and I will send you out to preach the good news. It's both things. Hey, as Christians, we're called to, to trust Jesus, to follow him. And as we do that, we're called, out of that, we're called to, to share the good news of Jesus, to be actively involved in getting to know people inviting them to stuff, to sharing our lives with them, being hospitable, to caring for them, to showing God's love and his grace to those around us. So the great commandment and the great commission together, hand in hand, that's what God calls us to do, how to be a part of that. And it's challenging, isn't it? Because then you have to think, oh, I'm thinking this way, Chris, what am I doing? How am I involved? How am I actively involved in meeting people and getting to know people and sharing the good news with them? How, what am I doing? How, how am I getting... About a month ago, I joined a club, and, um, and that's, that's part of me, that's my active participation, getting to know people that aren't Christians, because to be honest with you, the, the last few years that I've been here, that's, it's you guys I've got to know, which has been great, you're lovely, wonderful, but I've hardly got to know anyone in Guildford. It's like, well, okay, well, if this, if this is what God is calling us to be, then all of us need to be engaged with this. It's not just about me telling you to, hey, come on, guys, get on and do it. No, no, I've got, I've got to do it as well. We all have, haven't we? Because we're, we're all journeying together. That's what I love about this church, is it's not like them and those. It's, no, no, we're all together. We're all working this out. We've all got the same book, aren't we? And we're reading it together. Hey, what, what does this mean? How does this impact us? How are we actively engaged in following and fishing? And I guess... And just another key part to pull out of that is that I love that he, he tells us the 12. In fact, there's, throughout the Gospels, there's four places where they kind of give us a list of all the 12. Peter is always listed first. I don't know, I don't know why. And often with James and John, they seem to be like a bit of an inner three. You often will see when Jesus goes off to places to pray, he'll grab Peter, James and John. Say, hey, come with me. James and John are brothers. And... Um, uh, yeah, have that, you know, sons of thunder. Simon, who's now we know as Peter, and I think actually for the rest of the mark will be known as Peter. Um, he's this kind of like fast shooter, and he says amazing stuff. Like when Jesus says, hey, who do you think I am? And he says, oh, you are the Christ, this, the son of God, you're the Messiah. And then the next minute, Jesus is telling him, hey, you know, I'm going to go and die on the cross for my sins. And, and Peter's like, no, that's never going to happen. And Jesus is saying to him, Satan, get behind me. And so you get sometimes where he's like on fire, he's a rock. And, uh, and then some, he's rocky. And then sometimes he's not. I don't know why I said that. I was thinking about Tyson Fury winning yesterday. Um, and then, and then you've, got, but you've got a whole rabble of people. You've got Matthew, Levi, who just a few weeks ago, we, or was it last week? Yeah, last week. We found out he's this tax collector and the other Pharisees, the religious elite, they're looking down on, on Levi, Matthew Levi, and wondering how on earth is Jesus hanging out with him? And he's there, and he's there along with Simon the Zealot. The Zealot, a Jewish Zealot would be someone who is, you know, for the, the Jewish nation to continue to thrive, and they would be against anyone who was on the Roman side. 
let alone someone who was going around collecting taxes from the Jews to support the Romans in their rule. And so you've got Simon and Matthew Levi, both called as disciples. Two different people, very different worldviews, very different attitudes to life, and yet Jesus calls them both. There's, there's a bunch of different brothers. Andrew is actually Peter's brother as well. We find that out later on. We also find out that um, James, son of Alphaeus, is Matthew Levi's brother. Earlier on, last week, he was known as Levi, son of Alphaeus. And we've got James, son of Alphaeus. You've got Philip and Bartholomew, who in another gospel is known as Nathaniel. So that's a bit confusing. And Thaddeus is also known as Jude or Judas. And I guess because of Judas Iscariot, you, you know... You don't want that name. Stick with Thaddeus. And, uh, and then obviously you've got Judas Iscariot, who, by the way, Iscariot is not his surname. Who knew? Iscariot, it just means he comes from a place called Kerioth. So it's Judas, basically from Kerioth, which is in the south. So man from the south is basically his name. There you go. Just throw it in there. All these people, the point I'm trying to pull out is that all these different people... Like in our room, people from different backgrounds, from different places, from different ideas, perhaps even different worldviews, from different countries and nations. We have all sorts of different people in this room, and they wouldn't have all been best friends. And I don't think, actually, that God calls us all to be best friends. It means that sometimes there might be friction between us because, you know, where we rub up with each other just the wrong way, where we just speak in different ways, where we come at things in different ways... And do you know what? That's okay. But the thing that unites us is Christ and Christ crucified. And whilst we're not all called to be best friends, we are called to be family. You know, right at the end of the passage, you say, well, who is my brother? Who is my sister? Who is my mother? It's all who believe in Christ. He might have been in a room like this and he's looking around, it's you, it's you, it's you. We are called to be family. You don't choose your brothers and sisters or your mum and your dad, do you? And sometimes they're flipping annoying, but you respect one another. You care for one another. You show humility and, and uh, yeah, care for one another. And that's, it's just a, it's a good point, isn't it, for us to remember, actually, to pull out. We don't all have to be best buddies, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's care and take care of one another. Jesus is amazing, and Jesus calls just as he called the disciples, he calls us into his mission to be a Christian. What is his mission about? It's about following him, trusting him, being obedient to him, but it's also about sharing the good news with others. And as we do that, it might get tricky. You might get misunderstood. Let's read on. Verse 20, Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. He's mad. He's crazy. He's nuts. And the teacher of the law, they came down from Jerusalem, and they said, he's possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. You've got his family saying that he is mad, and you've got the um, Pharisees saying that he's bad, You've only, the, only, the only people you've got saying that he's good is the demons at the moment. I guess the, the crowds are they around him. And um, Jesus said that no servant is greater than his master. He encourages Christians to take up their cross to follow him. 
And just as he was misunderstood, misinterpreted uh, by others, misrepresented by others, do you know what we can expect that we will be? As we do the Great Commission, Great Commandment stuff, as we go out, as we share the good news, people aren't going to like everything that you have to say. It means that people might say that you're bad. It means that people might say that you're mad. They might, um, yeah, they, they might misunderstand you. You might be met with cynicism, with bewilderment, with um, kind of condescension, with delusion, with apathy. You might be met with all sorts of different feelings and thoughts. There might be some of you in this room right now where, you know, your family, they think you're nuts. Now, you know what, you're in, you're in good company. Jesus' family thought that. You might have colleagues or friends or neighbours who kind of think, what on earth are you talking about? Like, how can you even think that? You're in the dark ages. Surely the Bible is irrelevant. It's untrue. You might be right here thinking those things as well. You might... There was all sorts of people, but do you know what? There was good news. Although Jesus' family at this moment thought he was uh, mad... His, his brother, James, became a Christian, trusted him, ended up leading a church in Jerusalem, wrote the book of James. Jesus' brother, Jude, ended up believing him, becoming a Christian, wrote the book of, that's right, you guessed it, Jude. His family became Christians. Some of the Pharisees turned, surely he must be the son of God. They came to know him. Some of the crowd that were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, came, some of them came, turned, became Christians, trusted him. The disciples, sometimes, you know, who, who didn't always know who was about, followed him, trusted him. Hey, they, they, they got it together, didn't they? And they, they continued to, to move forward and to trust him. You know, I just believe that if you are someone today who perhaps you have people in your life who you're, you're thinking, oh, they, they think I'm crazy, they think I'm mad, they don't, you know, they have all sorts of thoughts about me. Hey, do you know what? You can take heart. And they might hate you, you're called to love them. They might make your work life difficult, you're called to care for them. They might show you no respect, you're sure to to show them every respect. You know, the world might hate you in all sorts of different ways, and you're called to love them unconditionally, to serve them, to show God's love to them, to forgive them, to turn the other cheek, to continue to, to serve and, and be grateful, to do like Jesus did. And as he did that, he won many around. As he went and died on the cross, he won many around. As he came and he shared his life and he gave and he loved and he, and he did it all, he came and he, and he showed that what, it, you know, what true hope was meant to be like. And ultimately, how do people become Christians? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you are made alive in Christ and that you are able to respond to the gospel. And uh, that's why Jesus says in verse 28, truly I tell you, um, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. You can come to Jesus and you can know all your sins forgiven, all your slander is uh, given up. But it says, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven because they are guilty of eternal sin. I just want to just touch on that for a, a moment. I won't go into big depth. But basically, what Jesus is saying is that 
These, the Pharisees who were there rejected Jesus and said that he had an evil spirit. And Jesus saying, hey, well, how can a house be divided by itself? He's just using logic to show that he wasn't Beelzebul incarnate. That actually, no, he wasn't the devil incarnate. No, he, he's, he's the son of God. And, but he's saying, if you reject the Holy Spirit's work in your life, if you reject the Holy Spirit, if you say no to it, then you're you're not going to be able to come and know God. You're not going to be able to have your sins forgiven. You're not going to be able to enjoy um, his grace abound in your life. That's what it means to be guilty of that sin. And so instead, you are forgiven and are made alive by receiving the Holy Spirit, by trusting, by not rejecting, by receiving. And so in Colossians 2, it says this, when you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, I won't go into that, God made, so when you were dead, God made you alive with Christ. Filled you with the Holy Spirit, made you alive, gave you the opportunity to repent and receive him. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of indebtedness which stood against you and condemned you. He's taken it away. He's nailed it to a cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them, by the cross. Jesus Christ, far from being Beelzebul, far from being a devil incarnate or whatever, is actually the Son of God who disarmed the powers and authorities, the evil one, put, put them up on the cross, nailed, nailed our sin and our shame to the cross, made a public spectacle of all the evil spirits, and now through the power of his Holy Spirit, you can come and receive his goodness and his grace and his forgiveness, and all it means is you to open up your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. Will you come and fill me with your spirit? And, you know, as we do that, as we trust in Jesus, as we do that, we can take heart because he that last bit he calls us family. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sisters? Hey, it's you, 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 and you. All of us are called to be brothers and sisters with Jesus. We can take heart. We might go through all sorts of different challenges in this life as we share, as we give, as we take care of others, as we give the good news of Jesus, as we follow him, which is what we're called to do. As we do that, we can take heart that actually Jesus is with us, he's for us, that's what we're praying. Chris brought that word earlier that says he knows. Whatever your challenges might be, he knows. And he's for you because he calls you his, your brother, his brother and his sister. He's with you, he knows. He knows what you're going through. He's not going to forsake you and he's not going to leave you. Let's get the band back up. This, um, this morning, I just want to, just as they just play quietly, I just want to take time to pray. And um, I know that there's uh, people in this room, and you might be sitting pe- next to people that you don't all know each other, so you just have to kind of handle it. Um, this is what I'd like us to do, right? is I'd like us just to, where you are, in just small groups, four, fives, whatever, um, it just takes some time to pray. And just to pray for each other. Because, and you don't need to ask lots of questions, you don't need to chat, I just would like you to pray. You might not be someone who prays, and that's okay, you you can just stand there and just listen to the other people that are praying around you. 
But I'd like you to, for those who do pray, these are the types of things I'd like you to pray for. I'd like you to pray that God would help you to follow him. Jesus, he calls you. He came to this world. He gave up all the riches of heaven to come and call you to him. To reveal himself to you, to be with you. And it's not easy doing that. There's all sorts of challenges in life. And so I want you to pray for God's, the power of his Holy Spirit to help one another to follow him. And you can pray that for the people around you, whether they're Christians or not. Because the reality is that none of us can do this without, in our own strength. And then the second thing that I'd like you to pray for is for it might be that people that you're you might just get a sense that the people you're praying for may be just struggling a bit maybe it's at university and it's like oh it's hard maybe it's in the workplace maybe it's at home I just want you to pray like a prayer of kind of prayer of blessing prayer of protection you don't have to use clever words in your groups I just want to pray those two things Lord would you help the person next to me follow you trust you fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit that they might walk towards you whatever the next step might be and secondly Lord I pray would you protect them would you guard their hearts would you help them Lord God in in their life whatever they might be facing I pray would you help them to continue to trust you to follow whatever opposition they might face or however they might be misunderstood would you help them just to trust you is that okay if you if you really don't want to pray that's absolutely fine just stay seated everyone who's happy can you just all stand you can do that now stand now and start to face turn to the person near you it might mean coming at your seat slightly but you're going to, I'm just going to give you five minutes and I'll pray over you all in a moment Heavenly Father, I just want to pray, Lord God, that all across this room you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you'd help us to know your power in us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have power over every authority, that you are the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords, you are the one who is above it all, that you hold the whole world in your arms and your hands, and you are the great redeemer, you're the great restorer, you're the great deliverer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you are the Son of God, you're the Son of Man, you are the one who's come to this earth, given up all the riches of heaven, that we might know your goodness and your grace, that we might be restored to our Heavenly Father, that all our sin and our shame would be cast off now to the cross Lord thank you Lord as you did that there was was a moment Lord when you hung on that cross where the devil was uh, rejoicing he thought he was victorious but three days later you rose again conquered the grave overcame sin and death and shame and you made an amazing victory that you you ascended to the Father that we might know your resurrection hope and power in our lives and I I pray Lord God today that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit help us to know your power in our lives help us Lord God to be strengthened day by day as we face opposition Lord I pray would you help us to go out in the power of your Holy Spirit to continue to give and share and forgive and to go again 
again and to serve and to show your love and your grace and your compassion. I pray, Lord God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us gifts of healing. Give us gifts of, of encouragement. Give us gifts of administration. Give us all the gifts that you have us. Give us prophetic gifts and discerning gifts and wise gifts. Lord, I pray, would you help us to be a people that are your salt and light in this earth, that as we go out, as we, as we trust you and are obedient to you, as we go out and share the good news of the gospel, that we would be a people empowered by your Holy Spirit, bringing light where there is darkness, bringing life where there is death. Help us, Lord God, to be fishers and followers. Help us, Lord God, to love you, to love our brothers and sisters, and to love those around us who don't know you. I pray, Lord God, you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to worship you in every area of our lives. In your heavenly name, amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.